Good morning, family. God is good. And all the time. Amen. The Sunday school can be dismissed at this time. And why y'all make church so emotional, eh? Eh? And uh, welcome to all our friends and uh, family, first-time visitors. Thank you so much for visiting uh, our little family, little flock here. It's another part in God's vineyard. You're welcome in the presence of God. And uh, just before we get into the Word of God, I just want to, first of all, uh, acknowledge birthdays and anniversaries Yay. and friendiversaries. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie Debs, there's Auntie Debs in the building. Auntie Debs, where's Auntie Debs? Can someone stand proxy for Auntie Debs? <laughs> uh, Remy and Sancho, it was the anniversary in the week. And uh, Clinton and Burns, it was the anniversary as well. Is there anybody I am missing out or leaving out? Anybody I see? Uh, who? Julia Roberts. Hey, where's Julia Roberts? Hey. <laughs> Who else? Michelle and Robert's your anniversary. And birthdays. Ooh, congratulations, guys. Well done. Well done. God has been good. And I'm just going to ask uh, my lovely wife just to pray for all those who've had birthdays and anniversaries. <laughs> Amen. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We are so grateful, Lord, for the gift of life. We are so grateful for the Institute of Marriage this morning, Father. We know that it is your perfect plan, Father. And Lord, we just want to bring everybody that has celebrated a birthday before you this morning, Father. We thank you, Lord, for another year added to your life. Father, we do not thank you for granted that we get to wake up every day. So we thank you and we celebrate with them this morning, Father. We just pray that your face just continues to shine upon their lives. Father, may this year be a year of more, Father, for them in the name of Jesus. And I just want to pray and bless those marriages this morning, Father. Father, may they just grow closer and closer to each other as they grow closer to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And may they always keep you as the center of any relationship, Father, for the court. A um, strand cord is not easily broken yes, in the name Lord. of Jesus. So we just want to thank you for those marriages, Father. We pray blessings in each and everybody's life that is celebrating something special this week, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for increase and provision and healing and breakthrough in those families' lives in the mighty name of Jesus and all say amen. 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 amen and amen. It's good to have Linda in the house this morning. Woo! Yeah, all the way from Peter Maritzburg. I remember I might be mistaken, but the last time we were in a service together. Uh, there was this young damsel who came to introduce herself. Her uh, name was uh, Zwei. And then uh, I whispered to Lindre, that's the one, that's the one. And Lindre was, hey, you are lucky boy. You shot out of your league. <laughs> Good to have you, Lindre. Amen. So this week, prayer meeting is in, did you say Sebago Avenue? Must we come with our Sebagos? To to oh, Tobago. <laughs> Hey man, family, let's get into the Word of God. We continue on our series, Friendology. It's our relationship series. And, um, you know, I was thinking, Simone, one of the reasons why the announcements are so long is because, uh, you know, some of the team members uh, and family of, of Reba love to serve and love to give. Come on. And so uh, it's just a privilege and honor to serve with you guys, Clint, Tam, all of you guys. I'm not going to mention all your names, but, um, you know, the highest form of our faith and Christianity is to be a blessing and not just to be blessed. To be a river and to be a swamp and, and not, a, not a swamp. Last time someone tried to hold up all the goods and crops, Jesus addressed him in Luke I think it's chapter 22 and said you fool this night your your soul will be required of you so let's live our lives as a drink offering 
live full and die empty. Amen. This morning we're talking about the friendship factor. Might appeal more to the youth, but I'm sure each and every single one of us can relate. First Samuel chapter 18. When you're there, please give me an amen. First Samuel chapter 18. Get your pinky on chapter 19 as well. And get your sixth finger on Proverbs 18, 24. Guys, you are taking awfully long. Are those pages sticking together? Can I get another amen? Hey, for some of you, first Samuel's looking at you like, hey, when last you been here? Amen. First Samuel chapter 18. Bible reads as follows. Now, when David had finished speaking with Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took David in that day and would not let David go home to his father's house anymore. Then David and Jonathan made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off his robe that was on him. This was his royal robe. And gave it to, to David with his armor, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Fast forward the story. Saul is consumed with jealousy and is plotting and planning to kill David. We're in chapter 19, verse 1, and the Bible reads as follows. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father, Saul, seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning. Stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father. And said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, that's Goliath. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and you rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David with a, without a cause? So Saul heeded the voice of his son Jonathan, and Saul swore, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. And of course, you know the story, Saul lied. Just told a lie. In verse 7, then Jonathan called David. And Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in, the pre in his presence as in times past. Amen. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. <laughs> Depending on which translation you have, and one day we'll get into the technicalities about translations. But one version says, A man who has a friend must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Another translation would read as follows. A person of too many casual friends comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The difference between the 
Masoretic text and the Qumran text, Dead Sea Scrolls, and one day we'll, we'll get into that. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a friend. Thank you that you give us the gifts of friends. Help us, Lord, to be discerning in selecting friends. Bless this time together in your word, anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying this morning to our hearts. Confront us, challenge us, and above all else, change us and conform us into the image of your dear Son. Anoint your speaker, his lips of clay, to speak as an oracle of God in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church says, Amen. Amen, amen. Family, this is our third part message in the series, Friend Friendology. Uh, we spoke about Abraham and how scripture testifies that Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And then we look at the passage in Isaiah where God himself had declared Abraham to be his friend. We highlighted the importance of pursuing a friendship with the Father, friendship with God. And that there are three levels of, of believers or Christians in this life. One, the believer, either casual or committed. Secondly, the disciple who denies himself, takes up his cross and follows the purposes of God. And then we spoke about the third stage of a relationship with God, and that is to be classified as his friend. And very few Christians get to experience the kind of friendship that God looks for in a believer. And then we noted the difference between servants and friends in the kingdom of God. Servants are more bent on not disobeying God. That's their focus. But a friend of God is more focused on not disappointing God. We also spoke last week on the topic family matters and how it is important that while we are growing in our relationship with God and pursuing the purposes of God, that we do not become unhinged from loving one another, especially those close to us, aka our families and our spouse. We spoke about how at the very foundation of civilization, God had established the institute of marriage. And our marriage was God's big idea. And our society today rises or falls on the relationship between husband and wife. It's a great mystery, Paul called it in Ephesians chapter 6. The mystery of the church. And so it's the marriage that upholds the family structure. Society fails because the community fails, because the home fails, because the marriage fails. We spoke about how it's important that within the family structure we build on love and truth. And we spoke about the nuances of truth. Firstly, truth in the sense that we have to be honest and transparent in our relationships, husband and wife, wife and husband, children and parents. And we spoke about the importance of respect. And that respect and honor is an expression of love. And how there must be respect between husband and wife, children and parents. And this morning we will be talking about the important factor of friendship. All of us have been shaped by friends. Every single one of us have been influenced in one way or another by friends. There was a large newspaper company in New York many, many decades ago that offered a substantial amount of money, a huge cash prize to the person who could answer the simple question. What was the question? 
the question was what is the shortest way to London whoever could answer that question would win an enormous amount of money and the entry that won the prize was this answer the shortest way to London is good company C.S. Lewis said that in this life you can survive without friends you know you hear in this cancel culture everyone talking ah, I'll just cut them off no I don't need you I can do good all by myself so you can survive without friends but having friends along this journey adds so much value to your survival. So this message may appeal more to the youngsters, but I believe it's relevant for each and every single one of us. You don't get to choose your family. We say that so often, especially when there's drama, and issues in the home, you know, one time Layla wishes she's not here, okay, I'm safe. One time she says, I'm lost to be born. <laughs> so you better look after me. <laughs> we don't get to choose our family, friends. And family, but you do get to choose your friends. No one is born with friends. But as we grow, go on in life and grow and go to different phases and seasons, we allow certain friendships into our lives. Now you get various kinds of friends. You get what I like to call the pretenders. You know those kind of friends, the great pretenders? Reminds me of a story of a baby mosquito. And this mosquito leaves the house one day. He's out and about. And he makes his way back home and he comes with this big report to his mother. He says, Mommy, Mommy, the people love me. And the baby mosquito's mother said, Why? Why do they love you? Well, everywhere I go, people just seem to be clapping. <laughs> the mama mosquito said, My son, they are not clapping for you. They are trying to kill you. Beware of the pretenders. They are out there. Trust me, I've experienced it. You have experienced it. One of their greatest tools of their trade is the tool of flattery. And it's unfortunate that many of us don't know how to distinguish between flattery and a compliment. And that's why Proverbs 29 verse 5 says, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. If you're not able to discern between the flatterer and the friend, you will be ensnared. What's the difference between flattery and a compliment? It's a very subtle line. It's motive and it's sincerity. Not only do you get the great pretenders, but you get the great opportunists. They only come into your life for what they can get. Selfish intentions. And they withdraw from you as soon as they cannot benefit from you anymore. In prosperity, you have much friends. But in adversity, you have few friends. For some reason, my dad, whenever he's drunk, he'd have one famous line. I don't know why, but every time he's drunk, he tells me. And it has no relevance to the conversation. Hey, lighty, when days are dark, friends are few. My dad, we're not even talking about friends. <laughs> I'm telling you, you need to stop. <laughs> They are the opportunists. Many of you can tell us stories this morning of that time when you cashed in that 13 check. Or when you got that payout 
how you had an array of friends around you. And as soon as the pockets ran dry, your friends went missing. Opportunities come into your life for various reasons, for different motives. But keep your eye out for the opportunists. We also get the admirers. You know, those are the people that come into your life because they admire a certain quality about you. And that attracts them to you. They admire, perhaps, the kind of personality you have. You might be that bubbly, charismatic, you know, colorful kind of personality. And so some people like to be around that. You might have a certain amount of influence or fame or notoriety. And, and they want to be part of that because they admire that. And they hope to aspire to become or possess what you have. But as soon as they get to know you and see all your cracks and flaws and blemishes, the admiration wasted. As soon as they get to see the level of sacrifice that you put in to becoming who God called you to be, they start to dissipate. And lastly, you get the friend. Yeah. You get the friend. They sincerely and genuinely want the best for you. They walk in when the world walks out. You'll find them in the best of times and you'll find them in the worst of times. Your friends rejoice when you rejoice. Your friends mourn when you mourn. When you lose a friend, a genuine friend in this life, you lose a piece of yourself. I used to have a friend, his name was Gabriel. Crazy, crazy character. We were from two different backgrounds. I was a guy who liked to collect comic books and Marvel cards. And and he came from a background of being a car thief for over 12 years. He gave his heart to the Lord, came from Portsmouth prison, so he'd always tell me these rough stories about how he beats you. Yeah, they used to beat me with those industrial brooms. And he used to tell all these graphic and dangerous stories. And a part of me, like, you know, I always wanted to be that macho man, but I was too much reading comics. <laughs> And so Gabriel was just this, if you knew Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel was just this, this sincere, loving friend, you know. And he hooked up with the wrong friends, you know, after serving the Lord and got back into drugs and the lifestyle. And, and Gabriel lost his life, you know, uh, in a graphic way. But when I think about Gabriel, I acknowledge the fact that I will never laugh at his jokes again. I will never experience that kind of laughter that only Gabriel can bring. <laughs> so in some sense, I've lost a piece of me. You know very well what I'm talking about. Friends of you, and perhaps one of the greatest stories of friendship family in the whole of human history is a story between David and Jonathan. The story of David and Jonathan, in my opinion, is the greatest story of friendship ever told. They came from different backgrounds. David was the son of Jesse. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. David grew up in a humble village in Bethlehem. But Jonathan grew up in the king's palace. David was a shepherd boy. But, so, but, but Jonathan, Jonathan was a warrior, trained in the art of war. David grew up tending sheep. Jonathan, fighting wars. David from the tribe of Judah, but Jonathan from the tribe of Benjamin. But despite their differences, they were arguably the best and the bestest of friends that the world has ever known. So the story we just read from 
to set the background and context is David had just slain Goliath, shepherd boy. He just slain Goliath and he's brought the head of Goliath to King Saul. And King Saul asked David the question, son, who are you? Where are you from? And he says, I am the son of your servant, Jesse. And from that moment, when Jonathan meets David, his soul is knit to him. You know, you just get those kind of people. You know, like some of you who fall in love, you know. You just meet someone, love at first sight. And then you break up and you meet someone again, love at first sight. They're like, ah. <laughs> I'm just pulling your leg. But you get, you get those kind of friends that you just, the moment you meet, you know, ah, we're going to get along. And we'll be friends for a very long time. No hidden agenda. Transparency. And so David and Jonathan meet. And his soul, the Bible says, is knit to the soul of Jonathan. And they become the best of friends. So much so that David and Jonathan make a pact. You know, when we were young, we used to make pacts. We used to cut ourselves and make pacts. Say, vatos tocos forever. <laughs> You know? But they made this pact and this covenant together. And so what, what Jonathan does, Jonathan makes this pact, but Jonathan takes off his royal robe. It is not an insignificant gesture. He takes off his royal robe. He takes off his armory, his sword, his bow, his belt, and he gives it and hands it over to David. Now, Jonathan must have been aware of the prophecies concerning David because he takes off his royal robe and gives it to David as a gesture, thus simply stating that, yes, I am the king's son. Yes, I am entitled to the throne. I am an heir to the throne. But I'd rather have you there. Jonathan puts aside his self-interests. And his rights. He lays down his rights, his entitlements, and his privileges, and he says, David, I want you in my place instead. So he takes off his robe and he makes this covenant with David. And, and Saul, the Bible says, seeks to kill and destroy David because all the ladies are singing and making songs about David. David has has killed 10,000, but Saul 1,000. And it wasn't Saul who drew, drew the comparison. It was the outside world. And so Saul allowed the comparisons that people would make to enter into his heart, and he was consumed with jealousy. And, and you gotta be, you always got to guard your heart because people will come, you won't make a comparison between you and others. People will do that. And you cannot control the words of others, but you can monitor and guard your heart above all else because out of your heart flows the issues of life. And so Saul got enraged and demon-possessed, the Bible says, that David would even come into the palace and play his harp and the demons would, become, would, would be expelled. You know, some of you are listening to instrumentals and thinking, hey, I can get away with... <laughs> David played an instrumental. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Don't take me serious. <laughs> okay. And the Bible says Jonathan goes to great lengths to protect David. Okay. Think about it. If David dies, Jonathan has free way and free course to the throne. But Jonathan is doing everything in his power to protect David. Everything. He first goes and speaks to Saul. He convinces his father. He says, why would you, why would you sin against David and sin against God? He brought this great victory, the head of the Philistine to you. He, he, and all you seek to do is to kill him. 
And if you read through chapter 19, 18, and 20, you'll find that they, Jonathan persists and persists on making sure that David is safe. Never mind him and Saul share the close tie of father and son. And that's why the scripture says there is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. Because you may experience some friendships or, or a friendship that may even be closer to you than sibling relationship. And so in spite of Saul being his father, David, Jonathan is looking out for his friend David. There's a few things I want to say about friendship and then I'm done and I'm out of your hair. Firstly, true friends are a gift from God. Yeah. True friends are a gift from God. Value them. Touch base with them. Reconnect with them. Don't become so absorbed in family and works and your employment that you forget to touch base with a friend. I always challenge the way, and I know this is common amongst the ladies. Why is this so common amongst the ladies? I don't know. But Zoe sometimes fights with me when I, when I say, hey, I gotta go on a coffee date with, uh, with Wes, or my, my friend Octavian. Yeah. And then she gets upset and I'm saying, babe, go out on coffee dates. <laughs> you too, go, I'm encouraging you. I just don't wanna see you at a coffee date with, you know, a, a guy with a six pack and <laughs> go, make friends, be friendly. We are your old friends. He who, who has friends must himself, must show himself friendly. Have coffee, I encourage you, go. The reason why I'm saying this is because I'm planning a few coffee dates <laughs> the next week or two. But especially to the ladies. You know, men, Grenville likes to say men are simple. Women, a little bit more complicated. Go out on your lunch dates. Go out on your coffee dates. Amen. Can the ladies say amen? amen. <laughs> Good friends, family are hard to find. But when you find a good God-sent friendship, that friendship will even make your marriage better. Sure. Can enhance your marriage. Because a friend is not afraid to tell you when you're wrong. A friend is not afraid to rescue. They are honest and they prize integrity over the relationship. A true friend is a friend that stands for integrity. They won't allow you to do something foolish. And if you do, and if you bump your head, they will come back and say, I told you so. You did not listen. You need those kind of friends in your life. When I came up to Johannesburg, Grenville will tell you, um, I'm not sure how long, I think now I'm longer in Johannesburg than, in, than I was in Plymouthburg, but it's been some uh, almost a couple of decades now. But when I got to Johannesburg, um, I was lonely. Can I be real with you? I was lonely. And one of my prayers every week was, Lord, send me good friends. Send me good friends. And for the first few years, I was some shady friends, you know? And they were Christian friends. And I had this one friend who was just, eh, I didn't even, I didn't even know in the beginning, but he was just, just womanizer, man. I'm like, no, George, we can't be friends. Yeah. And there's one dude that was, I would catch him bubble ass now and again. And I'm no, George. Yeah. Like, Lord, please send me friends. And God heard. And God sent me 
friends like Octavian and Grenville and, and Wesley. You know Wesley that preaches here from time to time? God sent me good friends. Friends who tell me when I'm wrong. Friends who help protect me. And friends who give me good counsel. Amen. Amen. True friends are a gift from God. Value them. True friends are a friend of your destiny and your purpose. And if there's anything else I say today, remember this. They are a friend to your destiny. In other words, your friends want you to reach your fullest potential. Your friends want you to fulfill your calling. Your friends, your true friends, will challenge you and provoke you to good works. Your true friends are not afraid to correct you when you're wrong. They will inspire you to grow. Your friends must be able to address your dysfunction. If you have friends and all they do is say, yes, 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 boss, yes, 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 ah, it's fine, do what you want, I'm with you all the way, those are not true friends. Now and again, when we're in rehearsing and Octavian's playing the drums, he'll say, wait, 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 servant, you're playing that wrong. <laughs> you are playing that, that chord wrong, or you are out of timing. You must be able to have friends that can be your sheriffs and say, wait, 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 wait. That was a married woman. No. That was a married man. No. That, that was, uh, what, one glass too many? Stop. You have a wife, you have, a, you have kids. Wait, 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 wait. I don't trust that guy. Doesn't look good, shady. Do you have those kind of friends in your life? If you don't, you are at a serious disadvantage, friend. A serious disadvantage. If I were you, when we when the service closed, I would run and I'd look for friends. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you always learn from friends. Good friends. Good friends grow together. Now there are friends that come into your life for a season. There are, there are friends that are separated either by, by death or by, or by distance. But irrespective, if you cannot find the kind of friend I'm talking about. First and foremostly, you need to decide to be that kind of friend. Trustworthy, loyal, not two-faced. You know, uh, you know, like the man Janus comes from the Greek god Janus, the god of two faces. Protect your friend's name even behind closed doors. Yeah. Be that kind of friend. 1 Samuel 23 and verse 16. You can make a note of it. You don't need to turn it. Bible says, Then Jonathan, now, David had fled from, from Saul. Again. And he's in the wilderness. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 23 verse 16, Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wilderness and strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan went to seek out David to go and encourage him, to strengthen him. True friends help you find strength in God. True friends help you find strength and faith in God. They might not be, be able to alleviate the problem you face. Or bail you out the next time. You know, because they have a wife that says, oh, too much, too much. You know, or they have a husband. But true friends, even when they don't have the resources, are always a source of encouragement. And they build up your faith. You shouldn't have a friend that discourages your faith in God. You should have a friend 
that will push you closer to God. I'm going to tell you a little story. When I was about 16, 17 years old, pray for me. I think my wife might jab me in the ribs when we get home. But I was young, restless, just decided to serve the Lord. And I was a scrawny little boy. You know, I wore my, my underskippers that came right out of my sleeves uh, and cut my hair. And uh, I was this nerdy looking boy. And I just made a decision to serve God. And uh, for some reason, the anointing attracts. And so there was this little girl who, who had a fancy on, on the Bebmeister. <laughs> And we had a relationship. We were boyfriend and girlfriend. Only one problem, she wasn't of the same faith, you know. But I was in love, you know. Love makes the world go round. And what changed my perspective about friends is that out of the three or four close friends I had, and they were, we were close, we were in each other's homes, only one friend, only one, approached me and said, Bevan, this relationship is not of God. In the now. I said, but what do you mean, bro? In the now. This is the reason. A, B, C, D. Do not be unequally yoked. I said, but what? But, but we boyfriend and girlfriend. I, I, I love her. I'm going to marry this guy. He said, no, you are disobeying God. And this friend was rough around the edges. <laughs> Sometimes you need to force the spoon down. And I went to my other three buddies and they were like, no man, don't listen to him. You know, he's jealous of you. And so I walked down from the school yard, hate on high canvas, you know, hate on secondary school. I walked down, I walked down the lane, through Syringa Road where Grandma stays down, through the Chestnut Place. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? And so that word hit me strong, and I'm like, I was still wrestling with it. And then the next day I get to school. You know, Lester Grendon, he's the SCA school leader. And he gets up and he preaches in the classroom. His first scripture is, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which you say? And oh, now I'm having a struggle. Now I'm having the fight of my life because I realize I must end this relationship. And then on the Sunday, very same week, I get to the evening service. And we're singing and we're happy, we're happy clappies as the pastor gets up to preach. And in his sermon, he quotes the scripture in passing. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And I was like, Lord... I've heard you loud and clear. <laughs> Monday morning, I walk my girlfriend into the tuck shop. And I'm like, Thanks. I can't do this no more. I just can't do this no more. Why? What's wrong? What did I do? No, the Lord said it's over. <laughs> You need friends to address your dysfunction. Choose your friends carefully. Bible says in Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friendships carefully. But, they, but the way of the wicked leads the friends astray. Protect yourself from friends who have no self-control, no discretion and no wisdom. Protect yourself. Proverbs 22, verse 24 to 25, make no friendship with an angry man. And with the furious man, do not go. Least you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul because your friends affect your moods. Yeah. You know? Octavian here at the back. Uh, Dahlia will be, I'm sorry for using me as a witness there, but there's a friend, I can pick on him. <laughs> uh, Dahlia will tell you, there was a stage where Octavian just loved to fight. 
<laughs> we knew that if we hung around Octavian long enough, we must be prepared to roll up our sleeves. And I wasn't the kind of guy to roll up my sleeves. <laughs> it was so, I mean, one time I'm waiting for Octavian and he comes back and he's like, oh, scruffle up. And I'm, what happened? What happened, aunt? I'm like, hey, hey man, this guy almost bumped me. I pulled him out of the car and I just, hey! <laughs> And I was like, hey, you know what? If I hang around Octavian, you know, long enough, I might be found in certain circumstances that I might not be prepared for. <laughs> you know? And I looked at the kind of guy, if I swung, I would miss. <laughs> no, but we're jumping now, okay? It's getting better. It's getting... <laughs> but God, God has done a great work in and through him. Amen. And through his wife. His wife has been ironing out those creases. But what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is if you hang around people that have no control over certain things, that attitude subtly and, and sometimes unconsciously gets onto you. And you wonder why you're having problems in the marriage. You wonder why you just tend to be, you know, loving motorbikes. Fast motorbikes. <laughs> because your friends influence your temperaments, they influence who you are as an individual. You will not grow past your influences. Say, so, no, but brother, I don't do drugs. No, I, I don't I don't I don't steal cars. No, they're my friends, yes, we hang out every Friday. But you'll never grow past. You, you may not do what they do. But one day you might be found in a position of compromise. It had nothing to do with your actions. Seek out wise friends. Seek out wise friends. Some of us are stuck in the position where we are spiritually because of the friends we've encircled around us. We're wondering why there's no breakthrough. We're wondering why our prayer life just seems to be not getting off the ground. We wonder why we're struggling with certain tendencies. It's because the conversations and the influences around our lives have shaped us and influenced us to some point. So choose your friends wisely. Seek out the wise. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise shall be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15, 34, bad company corrupts good character. You got to have some friends that intimidate you, in a sense. You know, I have a friend, uh, um, my goodness, this man knows the Bible, back to front. Whenever I get around him, I'm like, oh, how do you remember that? And I don't walk away saying, no, this guy thinks he knows better. No, no, I walk away thinking, I want to become like that. This is challenging me to go back and read my Bible. Or you have business aspirations. Find people who are wise in their business. But don't be a companion of fools. Promise yourself that I will not be a companion of fools. Okay, and in closing, avoid the friendships that bring you temptation. Avoid the friendships that bring you temptation. You've been telling yourself for months, I'm going to stop. I'm going to quit. You know, it's like when, when, my, when my mother was trying to quit cigarettes, you know, and she went like four months dry, you know, cold turkey. And then the next day, you'll find her smoking and like, Mama, what happened? No, we were, we were doing well. And then she was like, yeah, I visited a friend and yeah. they were smoking and I thought, ah, let me just have one. So, yeah. Yeah. Avoid the friendships that bring you into temptation. Okay. That bring you into corrupt business deals. That tempt you to disrespect your parents. Young people, avoid 
those kind of friends that teach you to disobey authority. Come on, come on. Don't care if it's your principal or teacher. I don't care if your teacher don't like you. Yes. Avoid the kind of friends that will bring chaos to order. Come on, dear. Avoid the friend that loves to flirt with anything and everything that walks. Have the kind of friends that love your marriage and protect your marriage. Avoid the friends that bring you anxiety and stress. There are many out there that come with so much baggage. I don't know how they carry that load. But avoid the kind of friends that disturb your peace. And sometimes you cannot put a finger on what it is, but when you have left the conversation, you feel more depressed and low and, and, and gloomy and doomy. Avoid those kind of friendships. Except when God gives you an instruction or you feel prompted to encourage them. Avoid the friends that distract you from your God-given goals and your vision. That distract you from being productive and fruitful. Avoid the kind of friendships that start to harm the most important relationships in your life. That bring conflict in your marriage. I don't know how they get around it or how they do it. That bring conflict with other friends, good friends that have been faithful. Avoid those kind of friends. And avoid the friends that break your heart and hurt you on a consistent basis. Trust and loyalty is the foundation of every friendship. And lastly, avoid the friends that steer you away from God. You no, know, like, brother, why are you in church every Sunday? Are you, are you religious now or something? <laughs> why do you pray so long? Why are you reading your Bible? Yeah. Why do you have to go to the women's camp in power? Hmm? You think you're holier than thou now? Avoid the kind of friends that discourage your faith in God. Amen. And all the teenagers from 13 and below and up, say amen. Oh, Lord, help us. Say amen. Amen, amen. Let me let's stand. I'm done. Can I ask our ushers just to prepare the communion emblems? Some of us have lost good friends along the way. We may never have or experience that kind of close friendship again. Some of us need to reconnect with friends. Some of us might need to disconnect with certain friends. But I trust that the Holy Spirit has ministered to your heart, each of you, in a different and unique kind of way. Amen. As the emblems are going around, every eye closed, the presence of God is here. I want to remind you that greater love has no man than this. That one should lay down his life for his friends. That there is a friend of sinners whose name is Jesus. Who came into the world not to condemn the world but to save the world. That, the, that through his sacrifice the world might be saved. And he shed his efficacious blood at Calvary. To turn enemies into friends. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, demonstrating his love. There's no friend like the friend we have in Jesus. And just a simple reminder this morning that he shed his blood for you. That he died for you. And the scripture says... And on the third day, he rose again and ascended on high. And so, Lord, we want to thank you for your sacrifice. You made a way out of nowhere. 
We thank you for your blood. The blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel that cried out for vengeance. The blood that speaks better things than the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a hypha, the blood of Jesus that has not lost its power, that heals us of our diseases, that saves our souls from condemnation. We thank you for your blood, Lord. Wash us in your blood. Forgive us of our sins. You said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so we thank you for your blood. We celebrate the sacrifice that you paid on Calvary. There will never be a greater demonstration of love than the love that was displayed on Calvary. And we thank you, Lord, that it did not end at Calvary. But you conquered death and the grave. Pull the sting out of death and rob the grave of its victory and boast. And became the firstborn of the dead, the firstborn of the brethren. So that one day we too can exclaim, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? For there shall be the sound of a trumpet and the voice of an archangel. And the Son of Man will appear with ten and thousands of angels. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise. Thank you that death is defeated. Thank you that sin is defeated. And thank you that your blood has made atonement for our sins. And so we do not take and partake in a casual, light matter, oh God. For you said this is the reason why many amongst you are sick. But we take so in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Bless these symbols as they represent your sacrifice. In the name of Jesus, you may eat and drink. Some of you are wrestling with those covert uh, packs like Jacob wrestled with the angel. <laughs> I think we need to get new emblems, eh? It's rough. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're going to close at this time. And um, just well done to Dylan. Where's, where's Dylan? Hey, Dylan does so well proud of him and uh, his teacher was uh, in the crowd uh, just making sure he keeps the beat well done Dylan proud of you and um, we just can't wait to see more of our musicians coming to, to the front I said to the team my dream is to put down the guitar that's my dream because you don't know the struggle between preparing to play the guitar and preparing to preach <laughs> on a Sunday morning. The struggle is real. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Just closing prayer. Father, we thank you for the sweet fellowship of your presence. Thank you that we get to enjoy fellowship with one another. Thank you that you get out, you, you have privileged us to live out our faith in community. Now, some of you are thinking community of property, but community of faith and our faith in you is expressed in our love one towards another that your apostle john says those who know god receive us and so lord even as we have gathered in your presence thank you that you spoke to our hearts thank you that you challenge us from day to day and help us lord to be your servants. Help us to select good friends. Help us to disconnect from the bad friends. And help us to grow from strength to strength. And help us above all to develop a friendship with you. A friendship in our relationship with our spouse. 
and help us to be the friend that we want to have. Loyal, honest, transparent, motivated by love. In the mighty name of Jesus. So Lord, I pray you bless us as we depart.